0: Praise the Lord. God bless all of you this evening. Amen. Let's all stand. God's awesome. He's been awesome all this week. He's done awesome things. and He continues to do awesome things in our lives. Amen. What a great God we serve. Let's call out to Him this evening. Let's ask Him to bless this service. Take care of any needs you may have this evening. That His name would be glorified in our midst here tonight. Lord Jesus, You're an awesome God. We are delighted to be in Your presence tonight. We are excited for what You have in store for each of us here tonight. Not because of the preacher, but because You're here. Because You are going to move and work according to Your perfect will, according to our desperate need tonight. Thank You, Jesus, for Your mercy and for Your grace and for Your long-suffering patience to usward. Hallelujah, Jesus! We delight ourselves in You tonight. We thank You for Your faithfulness and for Your mercy that You have extended to us this week Your daily provision, Your forgiveness, Your mercy, Your grace. Hallelujah, Jesus! I am so thankful for You. I am so thankful for Your death on the cross of Calvary that purchased me, that took care of all my sins, wiped out my debt. Hallelujah, Jesus! You've made me a new creature in You. All things are passed away, and all things are become new. Thank you, Jesus, that you have made all things new tonight. Help us, Lord Jesus, to enter into your presence boldly. Help us to expect great things of you. Release faith into this assembly tonight. Help us to expect the unexpected. Help us to expect the impossible. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and there is nothing impossible for you. Let our faith be released tonight. Let our expectancy arise because You are in this place and it is Your desire to minister to Your people tonight, to bless Your people in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, Jesus! We laud and we magnify You. We heap glory and honor unto the King of kings and unto the Lord of lords. You are worthy, Lord Jesus, of all worship. You are worthy to receive all praise tonight. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity you've given us. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us invitation into the very throne room of God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. What an awesome God we serve tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for entertaining the presence of God. You may be seated tonight. Our message tonight is uh, kind of a confluence of a few different things. Uh, it kind of started with uh, uh, Bishop's Thought for the Day. Uh, he texted me, I think this was a couple weeks ago now, this uh, passage of Scripture. And it got me thinking about uh, a few messages I've heard on the topic. Uh, and then after that, the Lord started speaking to me. And uh, that's always a good thing. Amen. <clears throat> from which comes this message tonight uh, it may pig, probably piggyback off of the last two messages we've heard from uh, sister Rudy from uh, uh, brother Demuth but amen any, in any case second Timothy chapter 4 verses nine and 10 so where we're going to find our scripture text tonight second Timothy chapter four we'll read verses nine and 10 Amen. Verse 9 says this, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world and is departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Glacia, Titus unto Dalmatia. And we'll be talking on this topic tonight. What's the plan, Demas? What's the plan? Amen. We've already prayed, and I trust that the Lord will have His perfect will and way in this place this evening. Praise God. We all need a plan, don't we? Plans are good. Shortly before I graduated high school, adults would, with more and more frequency, come up to me and say, so what do you got planned after high school? Boy, I sure loved that question. Because I didn't have one. I didn't have the first clue what I was going to be doing. I knew what my hobbies were, I knew what I liked, but uh, as far as actually getting from where I was to that place, I didn't have a clue. So eventually, I came up with an awesome idea a stopgap. I'll join the Army. That puts it off a little bit. Now I don't need to decide. <laughs> I ended up being the best decision I ever made, but uh, in any case, uh, I didn't have one. I didn't have a plan. Uh, you know, but in the Army, uh, they teach you that you need a plan. You go into battle, uh, you can't just go in. Uh, we're going to take the hill. All right, tards. That's not a good plan. Uh, maybe we could get up a little better one. And then when you got your Plan A, you better have a Plan B, and maybe a Plan C and D, because it's almost guaranteed Plan A is out the window. But about as soon as things start happening, Plan A is pretty much dead. So we're going to go right to Plan B. If you got an extraction point. You want a primary, secondary, tertiary extraction point in case the enemy overruns them. Uh, You you got a rally point. You want a primary, secondary, tertiary rally point Uh, because things go wrong. Things don't always go according to plan, and you need to make sure you understand if plan A is dead, what's going to take place. When you're trading, you're trading uh, stocks, you're trading options, uh, whatever, not investing, but trading. You're a day trader or you're a swing trader. You're trading a few days to a week out. The difference between a professional businessman and a gambler is you have a written plan. It's in writing. If I put a position on, I have a plan no matter what happens. The stock goes up, i got a plan for that. It stays flat. I got a written plan for that. It goes down. I got a plan for that. It gets delisted. I don't need a plan because that takes care of it. <laughs> Stock market goes belly up. Well, that takes care of it too. But no matter what happens, I got a plan and I stick to the plan. Because if I don't stick to the plan, bad things happen. If I go into the stock market with a, with a wing and a prayer, I think this is, I just, I got a gut feeling. This is, I got a good feeling about this. And it goes the opposite direction. Let me tell you what happens. This is a documented fact. And I can, I can prove it. At least I proved it to myself because it happened to me too. Because I had a gut feeling. The possession moves against you. And then hope kicks in. Well, I I still think it's going to rally. I think it's going to rally. And it does for a little bit. And ho, ho, okay, here we go. And then it drops some more. And then hope kicks in. And it rallies a little bit. Okay, I'm good. And it drops some more. Typically, it keeps doing that until you can't take the pain anymore. And then you pull, the, you pull the plug. You get out. And invariably, as soon as you do, it goes straight up. There's a, there's a psychological reason for that. It's not important, but it's a demonstrated fact. But you got to stick to the plan. The plan is, when I get into the market, I want to make money. Right? I want to return on my investment. I don't get into the stock market with the plan that I want to lose everything. My plan is I'm going to go bankrupt. That's typically no one's plan. The plan is I want to return on my investment. In the Army, the plan is take the hill. Or maybe defensively, stop the enemy from taking this hill. But you got to stick to the plan. And invariably, when you're in the middle of executing the plan, things happen, don't they? While those things are happening, perspective is important. How we view those things. Can we keep the plan in mind? Can we keep focused on the end result? Our perspective will determine the choices we make with our lives. It will determine how we view events and circumstances in our lives and in the lives of others. And it may mean the difference between failure and success. We've got to view these things properly. Specifically, perspective concerning process, Sister Rudy. When we're going through it, when we're going through tough times, difficult situations, it's easy for us to lose sight of the big picture, the plan. When I first came to the Lord, there were reasons that I came to the Lord. I decided this is what I'm going to do with my life. That's my plan. I'm going to serve Jesus Christ with my life. And I told them, no matter what, you all know the deal. No matter what happens, I'm sticking with this. How many people have made that promise? How many people have committed to a plan to serve Jesus Christ with their lives? And something happens. They lose sight of the plan. Sometimes we decide to do things in the heat of the moment, but later we regret our decision. I've told you, I think, about my brother's attempt to run away, his two attempts, because the first one worked so well. Second time he he was quite a bit more advanced. He took his very best rocks from his rock collection. And that was gonna that was gonna help him survive out there in the In the wild, his quartz rocks and his best sandstones, worthless. I've asked him a few times since then. I was like, dude, what was your plan here? What did you hope to accomplish? Surprisingly, he didn't have a plan. It was pure reaction. Mom and dad said something or did something that made him upset, and that was it. I'm out of here. We want the immediate situation resolved so much, we're not thinking about the long term consequences we can find ourselves in the exact same situation spiritually. We start experiencing a lot of pain, a lot of anguish, a lot of suffering. God is trying to refine us and to perfect us and to bring us from where we're at to where He wants us to be. And if we could just stick to the plan, if we could just stay focused on where God is taking us, that's where we want to go. That's who we want to be. But we can't get there on Easy Street. I can't be a world-class weightlifter sitting on the couch doing this. Boy, I really want to be a world-class weightlifter. Oh, I'm passing it. I watch all the competitions and, and I read all the Arnold books and all of that stuff. Well, we all know that's not enough, is it? i got to go to the gym and start lifting some weights. But that's so hard. And I get so sore at the end of that. Yeah, nasty and sweaty and ugh. Maybe I don't want to be a world-class weightlifter. A lot of people start off in college. They got dreams to be a doctor or a lawyer or or, whatever it might be. But then they start going to class and and getting all the homework, and I got to work because mom and dad are poor; they can't help me out, so I got to get a job. Sometimes it gets to the point where maybe I don't want to be this after all. Maybe I could just go get a job, and that would be good enough. I talk about these guys a lot, but it's just because they're so awesome. Navy SEALs. I love these guys. I looked up their uh, their website. They actually have some stuff on a website. And uh, I pulled some information off of it. It's awesome stuff, and it's also important to the message. So two wins. They're volunteers from the regular army. Of course, we know that. For most seamen, uh, they're content to serve out their time in the navy on a boat or wherever it is they're stationed. But for a few, they're desiring something more. They understand what it means to volunteer for this. I mean, they don't make this a, a big secret. They put it out there and everyone knows this is what you're going to endure if you decide to try out for the Navy SEALs. But every one of them, they volunteer anyway with the plan of being a Navy SEAL. The plan is never, I'm going I'm to cycle out. I'm going to go two weeks and ring the bell. That's my plan. That's no one's plan. Everyone's plan is to make it through. They volunteered for a reason, right? Maybe their older brother, maybe their dad was in the SEALs, you know, whatever it is. This is what I want. This is what I want to do with my life. This is who I want to be. So they volunteered. It's a seven-week qualifying and conditioning course starting out. It starts with physical screening. you got to do a 1,000-meter swim with fins in 20 minutes or less. you got to do 70 push-ups in 2 minutes or less. 10 pull-ups, no time limit. 60 sit-ups in under 2 minutes. A 4-mile run with shoes and pants, 31 minutes or less. That's a bit over a 7-minute mile for 4 miles. You pass that, then your 3 weeks of orientation, That. Introduces you to the lifestyle, the various courses, the training exercises. You start physical conditioning in preparation for phase one. And then phase one begins. This lasts for four weeks. And this is two months for a good 85-90% of the students. You develop in physical training, water competency, and mental tenacity while building teamwork. Each week, the training gets more grueling and more intense. And at the end of the week, you're tested with a four-mile run, a timed obstacle course, and a two-mile timed swim. Two-mile swim. Because of the intense and challenging requirements, this is right off their website, this is where many candidates begin questioning their decision to come to BUDS. Basic Underwater Demolition slash SEALS course is what that stands for. A significant number are DOR, or drop-on request, by the end of this phase again that wasn't the plan was it the plan was to be a navy seal but something happened along the way pain happened suffering happened and you got to understand not yet but that's coming <clears throat> you got to understand the condition that these Seamen are in. Every morning, they get up, they go to the beach, and they grind in that sand. Get covered from head to toe in sand. And they go report. If they're not covered well enough, they go back and they grind again. They have sand everywhere. Inside their clothes, there's sand. Every time they touch a rifle, they pick up that huge log for training the log is covered in sand, and it chafes everything, and you're cold. The water, during the winter months, I mean, it's in California, but the water's about 56 degrees. And they got to go get wet. Oh, yeah. So they're wet. They're cold. There's sand everywhere. They're sore. This is how we start the training. Do you really want to be a seal? They will make you sure that you want to be a seal. And then they have something, the fourth week, which they call Hell Week. That week lasts five and a half days. The candidates will sleep a total of about four hours during the whole five and a half days. During which time they're going to run over 200 miles. They'll do physical training for more than 20 hours a day. For five and a half days. That's less than an hour a day of sleep. I've heard some of the instructors talk about this, and uh, they say at the end of this week they don't need to do any more uh, to the, the students, the candidates, because they said by the time they get to this point, they'll just keep going until their heart bursts. They'll just They'll just keep going until they drop. So they don't push them any more than that. But they know that these are the ones that are going to stick. According to the Navy website, candidates have a much higher chance of success if they've, quote, made a full commitment to their goal of becoming a SEAL and have decided ahead of time that quitting is not an option, regardless of how challenging the training becomes, unquote. Well, that sounds like good advice for life in general. That sounds like great advice. Now, the instructors on your journey toward becoming a Navy SEAL, they kind of have two roles as I see it. The job of the instructor as your friend and mentor, and the job of the instructor as your enemy. Now, as your friend, what the instructor is not here for is to coddle you, to make your life comfortable, to make everything easy, to make sure all the obstacles are cleared out of the way. To stop the training until you've had a chance to relax and rest up. That's not why the instructor is there. The instructor is there to train you and to keep you safe and healthy during your training. They are uniquely trained and qualified to do that. They know all the warning signs. They know what to look for. When they see that, they're going to pull you aside and, and check you out. They do keep you safe, but they're going to push you to your limit. And that reminds me, something the when I was in basic training, something I learned in basic. It stuck with me to this this very moment. It was an epiphany. It was a, it was a revelation that I that I had that they gave me, and it came during one. Training exercise, it was toward the very beginning of it. And some of us, myself included, we couldn't We couldn't do it. I mean, we were tired. I was sore. And the drill sergeant said something. And I'm not going to say it verbatim, but I'm just going <laughs> to explain. Yeah, I'm going to explain just, you know, the gist of what he said. It's not your physical body that's giving up. It's mental. You're not physically weak, you're mentally weak. And boy, that made me furious. I was praying hot death rained down on all the drill sergeants. But you know what? I was so mad that I did everything that they asked. And that's when I got my epiphany. He was right. My body was able to do it. My body can endure a whole lot more than I thought it could. Well, that excited me. Because now I wanted to find the limits to this old body that God gave me. Turns out they were pretty far out there. That I thought, quite a bit farther out than I would have ever believed. I didn't want to be mentally weak anymore. And this applies spiritually as well. When trials and tests come our way, the plan has always been, I want to serve God with my life. I want to be in heaven with Jesus. That's my goal. But when things come, all I want, it seems, when we get into a tough spot, all I want is for the pain to stop. I just want the pain to end. Just like the Navy SEALs. The goal was always, I want to be a Navy SEAL. But then the pain comes. And man, you start questioning things, you start reevaluating things in your life. It seems to us that the instructor is cruel and delights in dissing up pain and misery. But that pain and suffering has a purpose, folks. And that's where perspective comes in. How am I viewing this? Is this really just pain for pain's sake? Is God really that cruel and callous? Doesn't He understand where I'm, where I'm at? How I'm feeling right now? He understands, and please understand, I'm not making light of situations that we go through. I wouldn't do that. I've been through a couple myself. By all accounts, Lord Terry's, I got a ways to go. I hope. But they are hard, but they're meant to be hard, they're not meant to be easy. I'm trying, He's trying to train me. He's trying to perfect me. He's trying to purify and and refine me. I've got to go through difficult situations if I'm going to be strong. Otherwise, I can go through living for Jesus, doing this. That's not the kind of Christian I've ever wanted to be. devil comes knocking at my door and I don't know what to do. i just got to cower and hide and hope he doesn't do anything to me. Because I can't fight because I'm mentally weak. That's not the kind of Christian I've ever wanted to be. I want to be strong in, in Jesus' name. I want to know how to fight. I want God to work through me. But He can't do that if I don't go through these situations. So my perspective is, I'm not asking for these situations, but when God puts me in one, I'm thankful for it. Because I know what's going to happen on the other side of that situation. I'm going to get a victory. I'm going to experience a success. And boy, experiencing victory is pretty nice. I love victory. I love success. I love winning. Guys ever played a game with me? You know that. I do enjoy me winning a game. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I'm not I'm not afraid to admit it. I'm a pretty good loser. But I'm an awesome winner. <laughs> Amen. All right, training is meant to be hard. I read this quote. Uh, this is from a Navy SEAL. The more thou sweatest in training, the less thou bleedest in combat. I think that's probably pretty true. Training should be so hard, the real thing is easy. The only easy day was yesterday. Pain is the only weakness leaving the body. Perspective. How do I look at these things? These hard times that I'm wanting to stop are actually moving me toward my goal. They're part of the plan. i got to get through this to see my plan realized. The instructor will encourage you to keep going if you're putting out, and he sees determination in you to succeed. The instructor is your friend at that point. If he sees that you're giving 100,000 billion percent, whatever they say, I mean, it's 100%, right? They don't have more than that. You're giving everything you got. You're trying your very best. You're taking initiative. You're doing everything you're you're told to do. They're going to help you. They're going to encourage you. Keep your eyes, your thoughts on the goal. That helps us stay determined and focused. The instructor wants to encourage and nurture that strength that he sees in you. If he sees quality in you, that's who they want to be in the seals. That's who they want on the teams. So what's the plan? What's the end goal? Why did you volunteer in the first place? To get tortured? To go through pain and suffering? No. To become a seal. But you can't become a seal without the pain and suffering. You can't be who Jesus wants you to be without the pain and the suffering. Now, the instructor also has another job to weed out the weak. Because this instructor may have to serve with you somewhere. And if he sees you're not putting out, he sees you're shirking. Taking it easy while the team is carrying you. Instructor is not your friend right now. Instructor is going to kind of walk on up to you and start putting a bug in your brain. Do you think this is ever going to stop? If you become a SEAL, this is your this is your life now. What you're going through right now, this is how you're going to be living the rest of your life. Think about that. If if you think this is hard now, it's not getting any easier out there. And they get a bug in their brain and they start thinking. They start weighing this stuff out. And you're just about done at that point. Because now the goal is a million miles away, it's only four weeks. Four weeks can be a very long time. They put that bug in your brain. What if this never stops? What if this never ends? Hey, you know what? If you're if you're tired, if you're you got all that sand, you got that chafing, you could you can end the pain right now. Just ring that bell, and we'll have a hot meal for you, a nice hot shower, and you can get a full night's sleep. And there are a lot of people taking take them up on that. But see, here's the thing: after they get that hot meal, after they get that hot shower and that full night's sleep, they wake up in the morning to what? They're never gonna be a seal. That dream is done. They shot it in the head. And they've got to live with that for the rest of their life now. That thing they wanted their whole life, that thing they wanted for for years, it's done. It'll never happen now. Just because I wanted the pain to stop. That's hard. That's hard to deal with. And then they get back to the boat and they can talk about what could have been. They can talk about what I was hoping for. did did you medical out? No, I'm DOR. I requested to leave. But the decision seemed so reasonable. It seemed so... What else could I have decided? I couldn't take it. They're taking it. Why can't you? And if I may speak freely for just a moment, Folks, all of us in this room can take a whole lot more than we think we can. The problem is we don't want to. We don't want to experience discomfort. We don't want to experience fear and doubt and and the enemy knocking at our door. We don't want to be in a battle. We don't want to be fighting all the time. Because we do get tired and it does get wearying and, and all of that stuff. But it's not that you can't. You can do everything that God tells you to do. You are able to endure anything that God puts you through. Because God knows. He's looking for all the signs. He's uniquely trained to spot them. You're holding the rest of your team back. If you quit, they'll stand a much better chance of succeeding. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. I'm going to take one for the team. I'll just separate myself. You're not taking anything for anyone. If you wanted to take one for the team, start putting out. Rally yourself. Do what you need to do and start putting out. Start giving a hundred percent. That's taking one for the team. This can end any time you want. You're here by choice. You're choosing to suffer like this. Ring the bell. Don't ever ring the bell. Stop listening to the enemy. Stop listening to him when he's trying to plant a bug in your brain. Start reading the Word of God. Start listening to the voice of Jesus Christ. He's telling you you can make it. You were created to succeed. You were created to experience victory. You were created to be in heaven with Jesus. Don't ever listen to any other voice than that. Whenever they see weakness in you, they're going to attack it. Whenever the enemy sees weakness in you, he's going to attack it. Period. Because if they can get you to break here, you'll definitely break in a real world scenario. Another way to say it is, if you can't run with the footman, how are you going to run with the horseman? So don't be weak. Be strong. Be strong. Be who you were created to be. You were created to be strong. Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. You don't feel like you have enough strength? That's okay. God has all you need. He's got everything you need and a whole lot more. Tap into His strength. Let Him be strong through you. Let His grace be sufficient for you. Daniel 11.32 says, Such as do wickedly against the covenants shall he corrupt by flatteries. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Shall be strong and do exploits. The things that I do, you'll do also. And greater works than these shall you do because I go to my Father. There's a thing in the army, probably all the military, uh, they have different terms for it, but I think generally it's they're, they're called badge hunters. They just go through a bunch of courses, never intend to do anything with them. They just want the badge or the ribbon on their uniform. That's it. Looks nice. Suppose they go to a bar and tell someone all about that patch. I don't know. Badge hunters versus the real deal. People who have actually served in that kind of a unit actually applied the lessons that they learned, the training that they received. Christians who only want the flash or the position or the title versus the power and the authority may be in obscurity. Unfortunately, folks, there are Christians that are badge hunters. Don't be a badge hunter. Be the real deal. The training that God gives you, use it. Use it for His glory. Use it for His purposes even if we end up in absolute obscurity. You're not in obscurity because Jesus sees everything that you're doing. And He's the one that gives the rewards. doesn't matter if anyone else sees it or not. I can't give you any kind of a reward. Only He can. Only He matters. All that matters is that He sees and that He is well pleased with what you're doing. If we say yes to Jesus, do we really know what that means? I think the people in this room do. We've counted the cost. We understand that there will be a price to pay. There is a cost to follow Him the way the Bible tells us to. Yes, salvation is free. There's nothing I can do to purchase it. There's nothing I can do to earn it. It is a free gift of God. Absolutely. But if I'm going to move on to perfection, if I'm going to become Christ-like, there is a price that I will be asked to pay. In some ways, I, I'm i glad there's something that I can contribute toward this. If there's anything he wants from me, if there's anything he if there's anything he, he's asking of me. Absolutely. Do we know what that price is? Perhaps generally almost never specifically. Not until the bill comes due. Kind of like the the restaurant where you see the menu but no prices? You have to ask, it's too expensive. But do we know what that price will get us? What's the plan, church? What's the plan? Christ-likeness? To become a conqueror, heaven, victory over sin, see our unsaved loved ones saved, all the above, something else. All of that's possible, all of that's included. Demas started out with a plan, didn't he? Philemon 24 says, Marcus... Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers. Demas starts out pretty good. A fellow laborer with Paul. What a mentorship that would be, huh? That would be pretty sweet. Paul introduces me as his fellow laborer. Man. That has a nice ring to it. Demas was starting off pretty good. He had a plan. Up to this point, he was sticking to it. Laboring for Jesus Christ. Colossians 4.14 continues. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. It's possible I'm reading into this a little bit, but... This introduction isn't quite as compelling as the other one. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas. Greet you. He's still around. He's still hanging out with Paul, but it seems to be like something has changed here. Something's a little bit different with the relationship. Then, of course, 2 Timothy 4.10 For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. He started off with a great plan. But something happened along the way. I know for a fact that being associated with Paul was probably sometimes really hard. Reading what Paul went through, that'd be a little bit difficult. Yes, I'm with him. Into prison. Forty stripes save one. Maybe Demas just had enough of that. Wanted the pain to end. You know, Paul, we, we respect Paul today, don't we? We lift him up, he's he's way up there. And I think rightly so. Give honor to whom honor is due. He did a lot. But in his day, he wasn't respected at all. Not by the Jews, not by the Christians, not by anyone. The off-scouring of the world. He had to fight and fight for his title as Apostle. No one would acknowledge it. No one, would... You know, as a man, isn't that a little bit difficult? No one respects you? I think that would be pretty tough. Because God worked through this man. God spoke through this man. And no one respected that. Maybe Demas just wanted a little respect. I don't know. But for whatever reason, Demas forsook the plan. He didn't start off that way. When he started off working with Paul, the plan was heaven. The plan was serving Jesus. That's not where he ended up. And today, there's a whole lot of Christians that end up taking detours from that plan. They start off strong, fervent. They're not lying when they say it. I love Jesus. I want to serve Him with my life. They're not lying when they say that. But for whatever reason, they get a bug in their brain. They start thinking. They start reevaluating. It sure would be a whole lot easier. The hot shower sounds pretty good. I just want the pain to stop. That's the wrong perspective. That pain is what gets me to the finish line. I can't be a seal without the pain. I can't be a Christian without the test and the trial. So how do I finish my race strong? 1 Corinthians 9.24 says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receive the prize? So Run! that ye may obtain what are we looking to obtain the goal i want to see the, i want to see this plan come to fruition i want to see jesus i want to live forever with him i want to make it to heaven that's the plan folks that's what we're that's what we're doing this for I want to make it to glory. I want to see the One that died for me. Hebrews twelve one and 2. Speaking of perspective. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. What joy was set before Him? Not the cross. What was on the other side of the cross? The only way He could get to the joy was through the cross. The only way, folks, we're going to get to where we want to be is through that cross, figuratively speaking. And it's a joy. Keep focused on the joy, not the cross. The cross is temporary. That's, that's, that's the journey to it. The joy is forever. The end result is forever. Who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the same? He could despise the same because, again, what was on the other side of that? That's what he was focused on. He didn't care about all of that other stuff. He's focused on the goal. He's focused on the plan. The plan was salvation for you and me. And I sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We need to remove anything in our lives that will hinder our training. We've got to get rid of it. We've got to get rid of it, folks. Heaven's the goal. And if something is hindering that, if something is getting in the way of that, I don't care how. It's got to go. What's more important to me? This short-term temporary pleasure or eternity? If it's getting in the way of my eternity, it's got to go. Did you know that every instructor has also passed through BUDS and has real-world experience before they can become an instructor? How about Jesus? We just read it. Jesus has experienced every pain you'll ever experience and a whole lot more. Mental, emotional, physical. He knows it. He's been through it. He's experienced it firsthand. So let me say delicately, but bluntly, if He puts you in that, He knows what He's doing. He knows, he knows how you feel in the middle of it. Because He's felt it already. He knows. If He's putting you in it, it's for a reason. Jesus knows how to keep the end goal in front of Him, and He showed us how to do it. Keep the joy of our dream in front of us at all times. Get excited about heaven, folks. Get excited about seeing Jesus. That's the goal. That's the hope. That's the plan. I'm excited. I can't wait to see Jesus. I can't wait to get out of this fallen place and into eternity. But in the meantime... I'm looking forward to a few more victories. I'm looking forward to some more wins. Despise, minimize, count as nothing. Those things we must endure to get there. Keep a proper perspective. Look on these things properly. Are they here to torture me? Are they here to get me to quit? Are you trying to what are you doing here? Why? We know why. It's part of the training. It's part of the training. We've got to get through the training to be the people that God wants us to be, needs us to be, to reach this world. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight in glory. And this is Paul speaking here. Shipwrecked beaten with rods, stoned, left for dead, betrayed by his countrymen, etc., etc., etc. These light afflictions, they're only for a moment. They're temporary. They're short term. They're going to pass real soon. Don't quit at the finish line. Don't ring that bell, folks. It's not worth it. You'll get some short-term relief, perhaps. But long-term misery. In conclusion, you'll not do anything lasting or anything substantive for God without process. If you're fine with a flash-in-the-pan experience or you're good where you're at, do nothing. Don't worry about it sit on the couch and click through I mean, that's that's between you and God but folks there are battles to win there are enemies to conquer there's ground to take and I am absolutely jacked I am totally excited about what God has in store for his church these are the end times and the best is yet to come I believe that and I'm excited Before Jesus comes to get me, I want some more victories in my life. I think God wants me to have some more victories. I think God wants you to have some more victories. Amen. And why not? We're the children of the Most High. Let's live in victory. From victory to victory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Amen? Let's all stand. Learn to love the process. Learn to love the battle. Find joy in knowing where it leads to. The battle, the process, the difficult times, they lead us somewhere. They lead us exactly where we're wanting to go. The easy times, the straight roads, those are leading away. Those are leading somewhere else. I don't want to go there. I don't need that. I need to keep my eye on the plan. I need to stick to the plan. God fights with us. He fights for us. And the victory will be ours if we will endure to the end. Amen. Lord Jesus, You're an awesome God. I am so thankful for You, for Your so excellent, great salvation. Thank You, Jesus, that despite what we go through, if we look at this thing properly, we understand that You do this because You love us that You desire to cause us to grow in grace and in knowledge of the Word of God. You want us to become Christ-like. Help us, Lord Jesus, to see these things from a proper perspective, from an eternal perspective, from the perspective that You have. Help us, Lord Jesus, to see this not as pain and suffering, not as misery, but as part of the process to get us where we need to go. We desire heaven. We desire glory. We desire to see You. And if this is what we have to go through to get it, so be it. Help us, Lord Jesus, to endure to the end. Help us, Lord Jesus, to put out 100%, 100%. 100%. Help us, Lord Jesus, to give everything we have, to leave nothing on the field when you, come, when you come to take your church. Find us working. Find us industrious. Find us effectual for you. Find us in the field, I pray, working. Help us, Lord Jesus, as we go our separate ways. Protect us. Bring us back to the house of God at the day appointed. Bless your people, I pray. Work in them and through them. Keep them on the straight and narrow. Keep them focused on the plan, on the prize, on the goal. No matter what comes our way, help us to stay focused on that. These temporary light afflictions, which are but for a moment, worketh in us a far more exceeding and eternal weight in glory. We've got to believe that. Help us to receive that. Help us to live and to walk in that truth. That You desire to give us victory. That You desire to cause us to succeed. You didn't create us to fail. You didn't create us to quit and fall away. You created us to win. You created us to make it. Hallelujah, Jesus. I'm so thankful for You. I'm so thankful for Your staying power. Your keeping power. Help us, Lord Jesus, to stay faithful to You. And all these things we ask in Jesus' name, Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise.